Cancer is an overgrowth, a kudzu, tangling and strangling legitimate life. Chemo is a killing, a burning out, burning down to ashy carbon indiscriminately. But cancer, did you know that I am a poet? Hello and welcome to the God Story Podcast. I'm Brent Siddle and our very special guest on the show this time is indeed a poet and a writer. She's Katie Bowser-Hudson and her book from IVP America, which I think Katie is a second edition. Am I right? It is. There was an indie edition there. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's called, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's called Now I Lay Me Down to Fight. A poet writes her way through cancer. Katie is a forming member of the children's band Rain for Roots. She's the co-author with Tish Harrison-Warren and Theo Paris-Oaks of Little Prayers for Ordinary Days, and a contributing author to It Was Good, Making Music to the Glory of God. And she lives, appropriately enough, for a musician and a poet in Nashville, Tennessee. Katie, hi. Welcome to the show. Hi, Brent. So glad to be with you. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Now, Tish Harrison Warren writes in the foreword to this book, and I quote, When facing the darkness of our mortality and fragility, we need theologians, but we also, and more so, need poets. Now, why do we need poets? Oh, goodness. Well, out of the words of Tish's mouth there, uh, words out of Tish. Um, goodness, we need poets because... Um, when we go into hard places, of course we need theologians. Yeah, we need psalms. We need we need um we need empirical truths. We need hard things to hold on to. But also, when we go into dark places, we need um, words. We need images. We need um, we need help getting our heads around the edges of things that are hard to grasp. And hopefully, that's what poets do. Hopefully, they they can serve somewhere between. Um, a prophet and um, goodness, someone who someone who can go out there and um, you know, I think Tish actually says in the foreword she she called it spelunking, spelunking. <laughs> like a poetical spelunking. I was thinking I would love to make tote bags that say Society of Poetical Spelunkers, like someone who goes down in dark places and comes back to tell about it. It sounds very much like Jared Manley Hopkins and the sort of word oh. he might invent. Goodness, oh, I, I, good company. <laughs> Can I ask you about the cancer? Um, what sort of cancer did you have? I had a very rare cancer called inflammatory breast cancer. So breast cancer is not so rare. One in eight women end up with breast cancer. It is uh, a fairly a fairly awful statistic. Um, the older I get, I'm 46 now, and the older I get, the more women I meet um, for whom this is a common factor. But inflammatory breast cancer happens to be a cancer that doesn't happen with a lump as is typical. It happens with an inflammation of your skin um, and doctors call it orange peel skin. It, it rather looks like orange peel. Your, your skin gets thick and hot and puckered. And when I, when I saw that on me, uh, my options according to uh, the internet were mastitis and I wasn't nursing anymore or um, yeah, or inflammatory breast cancer. So I got as quickly as I could in for a mammogram and more tests and that's what we found. And my particular cancer happened to be one that, um, yeah, inflammatory breast cancer spreads in, in days and weeks. It's real, real fast. So mm. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, you write, one of the worst days of my life followed one of the best weeks. Now, how did your cancer diagnosis follow one of the best weeks of your life? Because you were on a writing course, weren't you? Yeah, I had ended up with a scholarship to go to Martha's Vineyard, which is a beautiful place. Um, 
goodness, it's just, it's really fairly idyllic. And I had a scholarship specifically for parents of young children. So I had I'd gotten a scholarship to go study poetry for a week in the middle of my husband being on tour and my kids being in, in all their things and homeschooling a little bit and doing art as well, trying to figure out how to carry all of that like women often do and like people often do, especially with young children. Uh, and and I got this and I had spent this glorious week um, honing my craft and doing lots of writing and outlining and preparing. And I got on a ferry to come back and stayed with friends in Boston just on the other side of the water there. Um, and that was when I found out. I looked in the mirror um, when I got a shower and went, oh, this is um, this is not what I expected today. And um, I, I look at it and the providence of it, it, it hit me pretty quickly, but it also continues to amaze me that I had this week where I got to... Um, to polish my skills right before going into something very hard. And those skills served you mightily during the during the illness, didn't they? My goodness, they did. How was how, at what point did you did you realize that writing was going to be one of the tools in your arsenal, if I can put it like that, against the cancer? Oh, awesome. You know, honestly, immediately, Brent, <laughs> because um, I I, I mean, I hadn't unpacked from my trip before I was in a doctor's office. So the day that um, I so I went from, you know, the, this geography here, but we went from um, went from Boston to Pennsylvania to pick up my kids on the way back to Nashville. My parents watch my children. And um, I so I had this ultrasound halfway home to Nashville and I still had my bag with the poems that I'd written in my 20s. And I pulled out this poem that I ended up putting in the collection that um, where I said uh, it, was, it was a prayer. It was I was putting words in the mouth of God in this in this portion of it. And I said, I will come like chemo to kill so you can live. And it felt like um, it felt like God using my words from when I was in my 20s to tell me what I needed to know now. I'd never used cancer imagery before. So I felt like before they came in with the final word that I had this awful cancer, I felt like I had a bit of a heads up. Yes, I love that poem. You put that near the end of the book. Uh, I think it's extremely moving and Thank providential, you. as you say. Now, is there a, your words again? I'm, I'm going to keep quoting poetry um, at you. I'm sorry. Uh, you, how is there a magic, a medicine in putting words to terrible things? Ah, uh, well, okay. So at the time, it was 2017. So we were pre-pandemic, but. Uh, I think most of the I think much of the world now knows uh, the book, The Body Keeps the Score, or at least has heard quotes from it um, in ever so many ways. But I, I picked it up when I uh, when I got cancer to consider trauma and consider what was going on in my body. And one of the things that he says pretty quickly is that trauma is preverbal. And uh, so what you can't say gets stuck in you. And he has this wonderful example in the book where he talks about, um, you know, Pavlov's most famous experiment involved the bells and the dogs coming and, and salivating. His second most famous experiment was inadvertent. Uh, th those same dogs were in a walk down basement laboratory that got flooded and they were stuck in cages and the water went up to their necks. And and they 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 ended up okay. They pulled the dogs in their cages out onto dry ground, but when they opened the doors, the dogs wouldn't didn't come out. They wouldn't they wouldn't do it. They were locked in this place. And until you can have and they, so what they did was every day they dragged them out of their cages. 
And I think until you can continue to have imagination, to restore your imagination or use what imagination you have to understand and believe that things are different than what you can see, that there's a possibility and a hope outside of the very scary things in front of you, it's hard to believe that things could be better. And so knowing that, knowing that in my head, I started to write that into my body and write mm -hmm. that into my story. Yes, you write that cancer is a memento mori. Now, um, what is a, a memento mori? And in what ways is cancer a memento mori? Uh, do you know this expression? Do you know, do you know this yes, I, yes, I did. Yes, yeah, yeah. I did. Yes. Oh, yeah, just curious. Okay, so uh, just, just asking if you're asking me for... Um, so a memento mori is a reminder that you will die. Um, churches very often used to... If you went to church back in the day, you had to walk through the graveyard, and we don't have to do that much more th that much now. Actually, where I live, there's a four lane road that goes between two graveyards, and I I consider that our our um, current situation like that. But there are things that remind us that we are mortal, we're finite, that we will die. Everybody will die, and as as Christians, we believe that we only die once, um, and that Jesus has has knocked a hole through death. Uh, but but we do have to die at some point. And uh, so whereas everybody will have to face this at some point, my special point where that was pushed very closely to my face was at 40 years old, and I had to deal with it. Um, and that's, that's changed me, and it certainly changed my writing and my perspective. Yes. How has it changed you? Uh, you ask... Anyone you know who's had cancer, uh, I don't. I've I haven't gone a day since without thinking about cancer in some way or another. It is there. It's marked me. Um, it's it's something that will constantly change my perspective. And there's a very real possibility of living in fear constantly. But also, what it has done in me has um, made me take that before the face of God and remind me. Um, that my days are numbered, that I'm not in control. I have no idea when I will die. Uh, I have this one poem in there that talks about, um, you know, I, I all I did, this is the same, I said, this is the same damn deal as before. We, I don't know if I'm going, how did I say it? Uh, if my cells will go along, go singingly along until whatever age or whether I'm going to get hit by a car, I don't know. But um, but it was something that that made me uh, made me consider my days. Mm -hmm. yeah. One of my I'll get you to read a poem in, in just a moment. One of my favorite poems in the book was meeting my oncologist. I could relate to that. It's an interminable wait. I have to put mm -hmm. my hand up and say I, too, have been mm -hmm. through prostate cancer. It's an interminable wait for that appointment, isn't it? Yes, indeed. Yeah, waiting is, I think, one of the hardest things about the process. Mm. It sounds as though you had a good oncologist. Uh, you write, yeah. my oncologist was a force of nature, which is, I think, a splendid <laughs> phrase. She was indeed. She was an amazing woman, and boy, did it instill confidence. Uh, when when my oncologist walked down the hall, I could hear her stiletto heels coming, and I think cancer did too. <laughs> <laughs> and it was amazing to have her order people around. Um, and she did it. I mean, I, I think I, I used the I used the image of she was like my general yes. and it was and I trusted her. I, I trusted her at the helm. She came highly recommended from um, another doctor who we happened to meet through a friend. I got in to see this highly regarded doctor and um, I think it was like three days. It was amazing. It was a I was very, very grateful. But she was absolutely fantastic. You need somebody like that. Can we have a poem, please? Uh, 
Yes, I'd be happy to. Do you want the meeting my oncologist one? How about that? If you wish. Please. Meeting my oncologist. Waiting, waiting in the room of a doctor. The very good recommended doctor as cancer is in my body. I wait for her, my general, to tell me the lay of the battlefield. Hello. So thankful to meet you. Can you save my life? If ever a first impression felt important. All of the previous stories we both have. Do you know how many battles waging? How many fronts lost? Can we rally? Can we retaliate? Can we win the day? Do I live? This beige room has no clues. I looked her up. She digs deep into new questions. She has children. She looks kind. Words I know. I know people. Not cells much, not treasonous cells, not heroic cells. But I know the fall and the overcome. A low timpani roll rising to crescendo. We are past the cymbals and trumpets and the long certain denouement. Fraught with casualties, foes getting in punches on the run. Yes, I love those um, those last uh, couple of lines. Um, was, was Jared Manley Hopkins an inspiration? Yeah, there is a little bit of that in there. Yeah, <laughs> it, it just reminded me that so hound, much. The, yeah. the, the alliteration and the assonance is made, is wonderful, really. Oh, and my style too. Yeah, thank you. So yeah, much. Oh, yeah, no, I look, I love, I love the poetry. How do you like in the fight with cancer to a battle and with music? Actually, in and your the poems. Music. Yes. <laughs> well, um, before. Before I wrote poems in the form of a book, well, I've always written poems, but, you know, um, I wrote music for most of my career. I still do it some. And uh, when I went to school, I had a really hard call as to whether I should study music or writing. And I felt like I needed to study music because I felt more at home with words. <laughs> and I felt like I needed to study more music. But I've always considered um, music in, at, in the service of words. Mm. So when I hear, so the rhythm of poetry, the music of poetry makes sense to me. Uh, that's that's just how, that's how I'm built. Yes. Did music help you during the battle? Oh, most certainly. Yeah, it is, let's see. Is it one or two pages later? Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Box Goldberg variations. They are still one of my, my happiest places. You know, they, they say if you eat something or listen to something, anything that you have going on during cancer, it might ruin it for for you. Like. I had one person in the chemo lab saying, "Don't, don't ever have fried chicken during, during It'll ruin it. You'll never want it again." But this appeared to be immune. Uh, the Goldberg variations, the beauty of the simple music and the constant um, meditative back and forth of the Goldberg variations, and the way I could never quite predict what would happen yet, but it was always so satisfying, was was really healing for me. Yes, I suspect Bach knew a thing or two about mortality. My goodness, yes. I think we've probably answered the next question. Why the title, Now I Lay Me Down to Fight? Oh, yeah. Well, can I read you the poem? Oh, yes, please. Okay, it's a short one here, let's say. Um, and it's a little rhythmic one too here. It, and I, I was definitely hearkening back, um, if you're interested in some poetic form, was hearkening back to things with a, a bit of heraldry and a little bit of a, there's a little bit of brag to it, um, standing up in the face of a bully. So this one is called Sleep as War. I will not begrudge the bad days, for then are the vehicles valiant, victorious in throes of carcinoma. Then the rank rotting reels, there the nuisance is never away. Now I lay me down to fight, rest in God with all his might. 
I have no claim upon tomorrow. Today's joy and war and sorrow. Fiercely now the battles joined, an axillary node and groin, meta, micro, in between, trusting that which is not seen. Mm. You describe treatment as a gauntlet, a gauntlet at one point, don't you? It's part of the yes. battle well, of the you know, as I when I talk to people who are in the middle of cancer treatment, I'm not sure how how this was for you, but I felt like one of the hardest things about it was the continual, the continual. <laughs> it's not one thing and done. Um, there's something and then something else and something else. Um, yes, and you can. In the, yeah, yeah. Yes, and you can never be totally prepared for it. I mean, they warned me and walked me through what would happen. For me, it was the, the worst part of it was after the surgery, and I. I was partly prepared for the side effects of having my prostate removed, but I don't think you can really, you really have much idea until it actually happens to you. Yeah, it's like it continues to just go on and on, doesn't it? Um, mm. At the end of the book, yes, I, I think I, 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 yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes it did. I, I said, <laughs> yeah. The, the the I said the finish line moved like they uh, they kept I oh, felt like yeah. they kept moving the finish line. Oh, for, like, oh, for just sure. Just one more thing. Just yeah. one more thing. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, how and to what extent is the Lord Jesus a character in in these poems? Oh, you know, in a number of them. I was thinking about that today. I dropped the book by my cancer center. Um, I was having lunch nearby, so I popped a book in because I just got them. And um, I took one to go see my chemo nurse. I took one of my chemo nurses and asked where I could put one. So I made like a house copy. I'm hoping I can put some more in there. But, um, you know, many of them are obviously so. Some of them, the the voice is, it's it's me praying and talking directly to God. Like I have one called frustration. And it's um, something of a lament at, at being frustrated by God, by feeling actively frustrated by God. Um, and so it, it's a wrestle. It's a Jacobean can you say that for in here? I don't know. You can. Uh, <laughs> you can say anything you like on the show. Oh, <laughs> More or less. Oh, that's, oh, that's getting, getting fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, many of them are obviously so. Sometimes I'm just describing a moment, like um, I'm a worn-out washcloth wrung too tight till the fibers frayed. Um, I'm just... So, but but really, uh, so much of this really was quorum deo because, um, in one sense, I really needed to wrestle this out before God, or um, I wasn't going to wrestle it well. Um, I was just going to when I just you know when I when I just complain about things, uh, knowing knowing who I am and who my Maker is, I just get bitter. So yes. I, so yeah. many of them are before the face of God and needed to be here. Absolutely, yes. And how do the poems deal with your anger and frustration over the cancer? I think one of the poems is called Frustration, isn't it? You just referred to it, I think. Yeah, yeah. It, um, I, 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 will, I will say, um, given that I didn't write these for another audience, I wrote them for myself, um, honestly. <laughs> I, I wrote these not with intention of a collection. I wrote these really and truly because I desperately needed them. These these were not the the function the audience of these poems. I wrote them for myself to survive, and then I'd send them to friends. I'd email one to a friend. I'd send it to my caring bridge so they'd understand. But that was my intent, and then uh, they gathered into a collection after. Mm. I'm uh, flipping here and seeing if I can find frustration. Yes, please. Can I share that one? Okay. Yeah. Frustration. 
I am frustrated and need to clarify. I feel frustrated, but I don't mean that. I am making an accusation. I've been frustrated, therefore I am in a state of frustration. You have frustrated me. You have allowed me to be frustrated. One or the other, either way. I had plans. I had hopes. I rather figured they were in line with yours. I was mistaken, maybe. Maybe not. Is this your take on how we get there? You can see 10 days into the future, 10 years. I'm not worried about 100 or 1,000 years. I know you've got those. But this cancer route, it is frustrating. The children are getting more self-sufficient. I was getting more unscrambled, stronger, more resilient. My dreams had become plans with steps. I'd thrown out lessers and was making steps on graders. Now I have a boot on my neck. Are you making me tougher? Making it so I make it through my work? Survival training? I'll take it if you tell me it is. I'll take it if you don't. I am tempted to add conditions and caveats, but there's no setting up my sandcastles on the shores of your citadels. Mm, yes. How does God come, again, your words, how does God come near to the brokenhearted and hold on tight? How did you personally find God coming near to you and holding on tight? Did you? I did. Yeah. I, I, I really can say, I mean, I, I have certainly had seasons in my life of um, feeling God distant and feeling desolation. But interestingly, in the places, the places that have been the hardest, um, the, those have seldom been my places of desolation. You, you really do think that God comes near to the brokenhearted? Well, no, I don't think. I've experienced that God comes near to the brokenhearted and that um, when I've been a bruised reed, he hasn't broken me. That's been where I've, I've held, yeah. Yeah. Last question, I think, Katie. Um, in what ways can we lay our heads down on the lover of our souls and rest? Um, you know, I, I feel a I feel like I need to add a little a little um, caveat in addition that I did meet um, God with His Spirit speaking to my spirit, um, but also the the body of Christ had so much to do with it, and the community and family were a huge part of what let me rest. Um, really, physically and tangibly, the people who came around me let me stay in my bed and rest. Yeah. My parents, my community, um, they they allowed me, they carried me. And 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 I I think really by the grace of God and continuing to collapse. Yeah. I, my my friend Margie Hack has this wonderful phrase that I've said a million times now, but she says, um, she says that I need to collapse into Jesus's marvelous hands. Yes, it's wonderful, isn't it? Isn't that good? I love that. And it's it's so true. We all need to learn how to. It's learning how to collapse into Jesus' marvelous hands. It's not easy it's sometimes. It's a learning. You're so right. Yeah. Um, I think we have to be brought to the end of ourselves before we just say, right, here I am. I'm collapsed. Yes. I'm collapsing. Yeah. Ah, thank you, Katie Bowser Hudson. Marvelous half hour. The book from InterVarsity Press in America is called Now I Lay Me Down to Fight. A poet writes her way through cancer. Can we have one more poem to finish? Casey? Oh, sure. Wait, where did I put my book? Hang on. Sorry. <laughs> no, not at all. I'm, I, I'm, I'm really, gee, I, I'm, a, I'm a poet. I'm more than happy to. 
I'm more than Let's happy see. to listen. <laughs> <laughs> Let me think. You know, um, okay, I'd like to read en route to Canaan Jericho. Cancer and its accompanying stats can lead a person to the foolish wrestling match of a negotiation with God. If I beat the 33% odds of dying in the next three years, can I stick around to finish teaching my children? How about writing my book? How about to travel with Kenny? Can I forgo my high chance of recurrence and be there when my community needs me to speak bravely or create sacrificially or hold my daughter's hand? Body, soul, listen up. This is the same damned deal as before. You've always had a death sentence. You've always had the same odds. You didn't know what they were, but now someone has given you some vague lottery ticket pulled from a front car tire, pulpy and pitted. But for all you know, you could still get hit by a drunk driver, struck by lightning, fall dead of an aneurysm. Your cells could still go singingly along in symphony till 110, blissfully barely blinking through benign decades, blessedly bearing burdens you have enough for at every turn. Which will embolden your prose? Which will sharpen your sight? Which will add peak to your poems? Which will add intensity to your touch? kindness, forthrightness to your mouth, empathy to your eyes, which will draw love out of you. Apparently, this poisonous path. Bear me, bear me, Lord. P.A. Yezu, parry with this pilgrim. I hereby give up this particular thumb wrestle. I am laid on my back. It was never any different since you took me in hand. Every hair on my head, every hair broken off, I've always malfunctioned in a malignant mire, and you have always raised me, wiped me, breathed in me, strapped me on the back of a donkey and taken me to the Four Seasons with medical miracle makers for my wounds. You stuffed a million bucks in my pocket and said you'd come back for me in a bit. Order the room service. <laughs> yes. Casey, thank you so much for a wonderful half hour. Thank you. And thank oh, you so to. I enjoyed it. Oh, thank you. I'm glad. And thanks. May there be many more poems. Hmm. And thanks to our creative team at Liquid Edge who sponsor this podcast and who take care of things behind the scenes. Katie, God bless. We really hope you've enjoyed this episode of the God Story Podcast. If you want to help us make more great episodes like this one, you can head over to our Patreon page and become a God Story Podcast supporter. You'll receive our undying gratitude plus a few bonus goodies for your ongoing support. Just visit patreon.com slash godstorypodcast. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash godstorypodcast. As always, you can get in touch with us via our website, godstorypodcast.com. <laughs>